Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. Oh, hey, hey, hey there, friends. It is me, your host, Nick, of Nick's Nerd News. It is February, friends. It is February 3rd. We are in February 2021. How crazy is that? January just blew right on by, right? Right on by. Crazy. Crazy how time works. We got a doozy of a show today. Well, no, we don't. I'm kidding. But, but we're going to talk about all that news that dropped on mass effect legendary edition but as always welcome to the show if you're new if if you've been listening for a while welcome back happy to have y'all here and i hope you guys enjoy me ranting and rambling and raving and screaming and crying and yelling and all the fun emotions that that come along with with us on on this journey we're taking look at us right as we as we get closer and closer to 150 episodes How crazy is that? How crazy is that as we get closer and closer to year three? Three years I've been doing this, huh? Wow, it's very different from what it was even a year ago. Anyway, friends, before I I go off on some weird tangent, make sure you like, subscribe, share, poke, click, ask, whatever you guys do to, to, to listen to the show. I hope you guys do it. But without further ado, let's get into what you're all here for. And we're going to talk about Hitman finally, right? Finally talking about Hitman. Because I finally got some time to sit down and play it. And it's fun. It's very fun. But it's, it's long. It takes me, at least me, about an hour for each mission. And I I don't know if that's because I'm being meticulous, but I'm also, like, searching out every avenue and listening to everything and trying to find a way to not, like, go in guns a-blazing because that's not what you're supposed to do. And obviously, if you do, it it just, it's not as fun because the whole point is supposed to be, like, supposed to be sneaky sneak. And I'm having a lot of fun, and, and for some reason, I just, the graphics aren't as good as I thought they were gonna be. Like in the cutscenes, I guess, and I I don't know why. Like the gameplay is amazing, but the cutscenes are like kind of janky. And I was like, why are the cutscenes worse than the actual gameplay? But that's besides the point. That's not important. It's it, the gameplay right now is important, and and it's crisp and fun, and there's a lot of different things you can try, and that the replayability is is off the charts in this game, right? Because there are so many different things to do to replay and try and get different challenges, and I, I can't wait to, to finish and, and maybe go back and try different things and give everything a, a try. Like, there was this one way I was trying to get this dude, and, and like, you can unhook a, a railing, and he can fall off, like, a really tall building, and, you know... I did that and he never went up to the railing. So I was like, well, what's the point of this if it's not going to work? But that's, that's besides the point. Uh, Hitman three is really fun. It's, it's definitely like an eight out of 10 for me, even though it's tedious, but it's supposed to be. 
and I'm I'm still enjoying it a lot and there's a lot of different things going on in the game and some things are a little frustrating like I had to like I'm playing this version this this mission and there's something you can do to you can get an item so you can use it to like get your target but the item keeps like despawning so I, d I don't know what the hell is that about. So I might have to restart the mission. And so far the mission's going like really long. So I'm a little perturbed by that. But other than that, everything else has been really smooth. And it, it's definitely, definitely a, a, a fun game. But that's not what what's important today. What's important today is talking about Mass Effect Legendary Edition. And yesterday the world was finally given the opportunity to look at everything in relation to the game. And we finally got our first look at gameplay, and it looks very crisp and clean. And they did want to clarify that it is not a full remake, because they're actually remastering everything from, from the Unreal Engine 3. So they did not port it to Unreal Engine 4, because it would have taken a whole lot longer to do... And, and a whole lot more time before it came out. But they're doing it in Unreal Engine 3. And they they cleaned up a lot of gameplay and things like that. So it is, it's not exactly the original gameplay. So that's why it's technically not a remaster, but also not a remake. And that's part of the reason it's not coming to the next-gen consoles just yet either. Even though you can play them on the next-gen, or current-gen, however you want to call it. But uh, it it's... They, they said, quote, this is from, from Bioware, quote, the one thing you realize when you start to really dig into this is that there's so many quite complex interconnected systems. Um, and they said if they'd gone to Unreal Engine 4, they said, quote, it would have been death by a thousand cuts, unquote. So that's why. But they wanted to keep it under control and keep expectations level for people. So they also said, quote, I think especially with Mass Effect 1, there's just this feeling that I think people were a little bit naive about. It was the first time going into a new engine. A lot of the guys making these levels were relatively fresh out of school. Sometimes the stuff they were able to pull off was because they kind of didn't know any better and just kind of went headstrong into something crazy. So taking the house plans and completely rebuilding it again somewhere else, I think you end up losing a lot of that soul, that naivete, and that might have had the made it so successful and gave it the atmosphere of that feeling, unquote. Like I said, uh, they said remake was out of the question, and it it's interesting to see how it all plays out, but let me see. I, I'm, I'm happy for it, and it looks gorgeous. Don't get me wrong. It looks amazing. It looks so much better than the original game, and there is gameplay out there that you guys can watch. And I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. I, I can't wait for it to come out. And it's going to be... It's going to be so fun to play those again. And all cleaned up and, and see how they change one. So it comes out May 14th. And we also learned that the extended ending of 3 will be included in... In the game, so all of the DLC, um, including the fourth ending that was added, so that's the extended ending, and we're also, unfortunately, there's one piece of DLC that we're not getting, 
And it's from the first game. It's called Pinnacle Station. And it's because the source code is damaged or corrupted. And they couldn't get it even from the people that made it. So, and it would have been six months just to rebuild the DLC. So there's one thing that just will not be in it. And that is... So it, it's out of other... There's 40 other DLC they're adding that you might not have played. Uh, that That's being added to the game. So there, there's still going to be plenty of stuff to do on top of the main game. And... I'm very excited. I haven't played the first one since I think it came out. And from the screenshots, it looks amazing. The 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 particle effects are... I don't know why I'm talking about particle effects. The The environments are really crisp and clean. The lighting is, is next level. It's going to be in 4K60. They said that the, the elevator rides are gone. They, they added a lot of stuff from 2 and 3 into 1 to clean it up, which I'm excited to hear. And, and overall, it just it looks really nice. And I, I'm, I'm going to be happy to play it in one through playthrough again, because you know I will. I, I, I really did only play them all once, but now with all the DLC and stuff, I'm going to be excited to do that. And... I really can't wait. I, I Mass Effect is one of the best game series I've ever played. And it I will defend Andromeda. I had a lot of fun with Andromeda. I know a lot of people didn't. And hopefully this this keeps the franchise alive. And, and we already know a fourth game or four, whatever. It's technically like a fifth game is coming. And we don't know if it's going to be Mass Effect 4 proper or, or uh, some kind of reboot or relaunch of the franchise, or if it will be like a spin-off of, uh, of, of them again like Andromeda was. But I, I can't wait to play this when it comes out in May. But that's Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Uh, there's also, though, you can order like a special edition of the game that comes with a steelbook and like a N7 helmet, but um, it doesn't come with a copy of the game. But that's it for that. Hey, uh, you guys have a Tesla? Well, if you have a new Tesla, you got a gaming rig in your car. Yes, yes, you heard me right. There is a gaming rig in your Tesla if you have a newer Tesla. And <laughs> this is a wild story. The new Model X and S cars, they both have a 10 teraflop processing power machine, which makes it almost as good as a console. A, a modern console. Granted, these cars are over $80,000. They will come out in March. They have the Tesla Arcade. And you can play Cuphead. Uh, the Witcher 3 can play in it, which is crazy. Cyberpunk, I think, is going to be on there. This is nuts, dude. Yeah, the Witcher 3 can be played on their new, uh, new screens, which, of course, are now... In, in landscape mode instead of, of um, portrait mode or sized or orientation. And it's a 17-inch screen. That's nuts, man. Fucking The Witcher 3 in your fucking Tesla. Nobody's going to be doing this. Nobody's going to be doing this. People who are paying $80,000 for a car are not playing games in the car. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Tesla's playing games. That's insane, man. That is insane. Anyway, Crystal Dynamics has announced that they will be going back to Tomb Raider after they took it uh, a game off with the the third installment in the reboot franchise. And they said that they are currently working on an unannounced Tomb Raider, 
but they want to unify the story. So they said, uh, let me read the quote. I'm looking for it here. I don't, hold on. Uh, they said they are, quote, working to unify, unquote, the timelines. And so we know that the reboot trilogy was like a, a um, the origin story of her. They said, quote, featured a seasoned, in, the original game said, quote, featured a seasoned and confident adventurer, unquote. And then they also said, quote, a future of Tomb Raider unfolding after these established adventures, telling the stories that build upon the breadth of both core design and crystal dynamics games, working to unify these timelines, unquote. And granted, it's a 25-year-old franchise. And they said they don't have any announcements right now, but they do plan, I guess, on doing something with it, considering that the Crystal Dynamics games are getting a sequel in the form of an anime on Netflix. So that story will continue, and we'll see how it all plays out in the future, and if Crystal Dynamics does end up going back to work on it, um, since Eidos... Montreal, or who, which one of the Eidos studios worked on Shadow? Okay, it was Eidos Montreal. I, I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> but, yeah, since since uh, Crystal Dynamics took a backseat on that one, as they had done the first two in the game. Anyway, because, uh, you know, Crystal Dynamics went on to make <clears throat> the Avengers. What? Sorry, what? A game? Anyway, they they plan to hopefully unify the series in the future. Um, didn't realize that Core Design was owned by Square Enix either, just like Crystal Dynamics is and, and Ideos Montreal and and all them. Um, of course, people know Idos Idos Idos. I guess as they call them for the the Hitman games, and they used to own IO Interactive. Hey, we're, we're going down a rabbit hole here, you know, circling back to Hitman, though. <laughs> but uh, we first we got our first new information on Halo Infinite uh, in quite a while, and it's the first of a monthly series of updates on the game. And this time, uh, they said it will they will put it out on the last Thursday of every month. So uh, be prepared to, to see that every month. Yeah, so the last Thursday of every month, it will be a, a blog update. Um, this month, they focus on updating us on the sandbox and how things are going and changing. Uh, how they're focusing on making sure that it will work across all the platforms that it's releasing on. And and how uh, they're optimizing it for everything. Uh, it, it's also, they, they bring up something that they're calling the combat doctrine. And it, it has to do to make sure that everything feels Halo. Right, they want to make sure that it plays and feels like Halo, and and that the images they they use are going back to Halo Two. So, if anything, that that's a good sign and a good thing to see because they they know that the fans care and and want to make sure that it plays right and people are happy. Uh, they bring up different weapons and and different player goals and how things operate. Uh, they want to go back to the focus of uh, you can do things alone or as a team. Because ultimately, Halo hasn't always been about always a team thing. It's like you can you you can achieve a goal as a team, or you can lone wolf it, and that's the term they use is lone lone wolf. Prime example says lone wolf, player goal. The player feels that they can stand alone and be effective without teammates or AI companions. To abide by the lone wolf principle means that we must provide the player 
with the necessary items and features to empower them to be effective on their own. Teamwork will augment the experience, but we need to ensure that the player can feel powerful on their own. One way that we achieve this is by looking at designing, tuning, and balancing the starting loadout for players in multiplayer. The basic traits, tools, and weapons must allow the player to be effective from the moment they spawn without needing, without the need to scavenge for good, quote, good weapons. That's a good thing to see. Um, they also point out actions and survivability. Uh, they bring up the different things that play in and, and how uh, pieces of equipment work. So it's almost like in Halo 3. You know, we saw that shield in the demo at E3 last year. We know that the grapple shot or the which is the grapple hook we're getting, how those all play in. We got to see a good look at some new at, at some of the weapons and how they're, they, they look in-game. Um, the Hydra, a weapon from Halo 5, has been redesigned and, and looks a lot different. We get a better look at the Commando, the new weapon, plus the new shotgun, and they talk about why they decided to go with a new shotgun. It's a little flimsy, their reasoning, I, and I guess a lot of people don't didn't use the old shotgun as much in multiplayer, and they felt that it didn't exist and fully fulfill the idea of Halo multiplayer, which doesn't make any sense considering there's a whole shoddy snipes mode, and the shotgun is is perfect against the 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 energy sword. But again, that's that's what they feel, and and we'll see how it plays out when the when the game launches in the fall. But Again, they'll, they'll be releasing these on the final Thursday of every month. It has some nice concept art um, in in the game and everything like that. So it, it's it's very exciting to see how, how it all plays out. I cannot tell you how excited I am to play another Halo. Like, I am dying to play a new Halo. And I haven't played Halo 5 in a while. I should probably go play that. I used to play... I used to try to play at least once a month, and I am very excited for a new Halo. You guys know this. I talk ad nauseum sometimes about Halo, and I'm just, I'm so jazzed, and I can't wait for a beta, and it sucks that we have to wait so long for it, but I get it. I get it, and hopefully they fine-tune it and polish it and just put out a good Halo game, because that's all that matters. It's really all that matters at this point. Anyway, moving on. Uh, G4 has confirmed that both X-Play and Attack of the Show will be returning with some of their original on-air talent. Uh, looks like Adam Sessler will at least be back for X-Play. Uh, we don't know yet about Morgan Webb. Uh, and then over on Attack of the Show, I do know that Olivia Munn is in discussions about rejoining the network. No word yet on if she has been officially signed on, though. Nor do we know if it's going to be a TV channel or online. That's the other thing. Interesting. I wonder what, how that's all going to play out. I can't wait for G4 to be back. I always loved G4 back in the day. Uh, another cool thing that, that leaked this week, and now the full file, all the files, game files have leaked for it as well, but a remaster for the 360 of GoldenEye. And it looks like the whole game is playable. It looks really friggin' good. And it kind of makes sense, because, you know, Rare made GoldenEye the first time, and, of course, Rare was owned is owned by Microsoft, so it makes sense that it would be, you know, on 360. And it's like a near final build of the game. So it was clearly almost done when it was canceled. But someone has uploaded, like, playing through it, and this this is different from the Wii U, like, 
complete remake that was done. Not Wii U, but on the Wii, there was like a remake. But this is a very crisp and clean remaster that was almost done, just never saw the light of day. And uh, almost wishing that it comes out now, you'd think. Oh man, it, it would, it would, it looks, it plays nicely and it looks nice, even though it's clearly a game from the 90s. Um, also got word, uh, it is now official that MLB The Show will release on Xbox this year. So last year we got the announcement that it would finally come to non-PlayStation consoles after the MLB pretty much forced their hand on, on Sony. And MLB The Show will release on April 20th of this year on Xbox and PlayStation and will feature cross-platform and cross-generational play. And it features the most unlikeliest of cover athletes, Fernando Tatis Jr. of the San Diego Padres. Yes, a San Diego team has graced the cover of a sports game. And honestly, it only makes sense because it's San Diego Studio that makes MLB the show. But now Xbox owners can play one of the best baseball games ever made. But April 20th, MLB The Show 21 on Xbox and PlayStation. Uh, we also now have word that Pokemon Sword and Shield are the best-selling Pokemon games since Gold and Silver released back in 2000. Uh, sorry, 1999. I was off by uh, two months. <laughs> but Sword and Shield have sold over 20 million units, making it the best-selling Pokemon game uh, since Gold and Silver, since those were the last ones to pass 20 million copies. So, uh, this is per Serebii, great, great Pokemon website if you guys don't know. It has sold, uh, Sword and Shield have sold 20.3.5 million units, with 1.3 million of those being sold in the last three months. So, quarter three of 2020. And it's the first one to do so. Since, like I said, Gold and Silver, they've sold 23.73 million copies back in 1999. I'm sure, uh, if anything, I think Sword and Shield will catch up. And now it is the third best-selling Pokemon game of all time. So obviously Red and Blue, then Gold and Silver and Sword and Shield. You know, the, the, the series had started to take a bit of a dip over the years uh, as more less and less people had, had been playing and... Sword and Shield are the fifth best-selling game on Switch. They've already... It was only surpassed by Breath of the Wild, Ultimate, Super Smash Ultimate, Animal Crossing, and Mario Kart 8. But that's crazy, man. And the Switch has now sold more than the 3DS, putting it in the top 15 uh, of cons most consoles sold. Which brings us next to our next topic, right? The PS5 has shipped a total of 4.5 million units in 2020 alone, putting it at the same number of, of units shipped for the PS4 back in 2013. And now this is shipped. I don't know if this is sold through, so granted, it's still a lot. And they saw a 40% increase year-on-year year in large part uh, to uh, their, their results for quarter three. Um, they are taking a loss on the PS5 from its price points, which is interesting. Most console makers usually do in the beginning. And they are still on track to meet their goal of 7.6 million PS5 sales by the end of March 2021, if they can get them to the stores, which I, 
I don't know. Uh, the PS4 also sold about 1.4 million units in the same time frame. And that's crazy. Still selling a million PS4s. And uh, game unit sales have reached 103.7 million, uh, up from 83 million in the previous quarter, which is a lot of games sold. But that's crazy. Good on them. Good on them. Uh, they said digital game sales were down 59%, though, to 53%, but still up year over year. And their PlayStation Plus subscriber count has increased to 47.4 million. And 114 million active users on PlayStation Network in that quarter as well. And they said 87% of PS5 users are subscribers to PS PlayStation Plus. So that's, that's a good thing because you want them to subscribe. Microsoft has yet to put out any new numbers on things. But I know they did say they had one of the most successful launches. And I know they put out a lot of active user numbers for Xbox Live. Um, but speaking of all those PS5 sold, it is now estimated that about 10 to 15% of all PS5 sold in the U.S. have been resold. And when I mean resold, I mean through scalpers, which, fuck scalpers, dude. This is per, a, uh, someone who does the data engineering, it's a new report, and this is all on the, the scalping market and focused on the PS5. And it's mainly from listings on eBay and, and StockX, of all places. Yes, StockX, the place you go for sneakers. And this was all up until January. That's, 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 wow. Uh, he said that they figure, he figures about 157,000 PS5 sold at retail price or higher on eBay. And StockX, 7% of the 2.0 million PS5s were sold in the U.S. up until January 16th. That's crazy, man. 10 to 15% of PS5s were resold in the U.S. Fucking scalpers, man. Don't give in, people. Come on. Don't give in. Stop giving in to them. Fuck scalpers, man. Scalpers fucking suck. Anyway, this is a crazy story. Netflix and MGM are now, and now possibly a TV series, all may be in the works surrounding the shenanigans around Wall Street bets and GameStop, and all the stonks. Yes, a TV show, movies, like, I don't understand. I really don't understand what what's going on. They already might even have a star locked up. MGM's doing a GameStop stock movie um, from the author of The Social Network, and then Netflix may doing its own GameStop stock movie. Like, how did they get this all written up in, in the span of a week? And is this really deserving of a movie? Like, are you fucking kidding me? A movie about GameStop stock and Wall Street bets? Have we really run out of ideas here, people? What the hell is coming to these things? GameStonk. <laughs> also, do you guys have a Google Stadia? Well, you might be owning a worthless piece of tech because Stadia may effectively essentially just be dead at this point. Uh, Google has announced that they will be shutting down all of their internal game studios, uh, as well as its internal game development, and they're going to refocus on their tech platform and third-party publishers. So I don't see it lasting longer. I know they announced that UEFA and FIFA and all that are coming, but 
They are closing their Stadia Games and Entertainment Studios that were in Los Angeles and Montreal. And they said, quote, With the recent successful launch of Cyberpunk 2077 on Stadia, gameplay on all types of devices, including iOS, growing our slate of YouTube integrations and our global expansions, it's clear that Stadia's technology has been proven and works at scale. Having games streamed to any screen is the future of this industry and will continue to invest in Stadia and its underlying platform to provide the best cloud gaming experience for our partners and the gaming community. This has been the vision of Stadia since the beginning. Yeah, I still think it's it's effectively saying we're not going to really support this in the long run. I don't think Stadia is going to be around for much longer, especially with Amazon hopping into the ring and Microsoft's xCloud getting bigger and stronger and better. So I, I wonder if Stadia will will live to see another year. But we'll see what happens. Also, we did get confirmation that a Legend of Zelda show was in the works at Netflix until the leak happened and Nintendo put the kibosh on that. So yes, about a year or so ago it was rumored that there was going to be a some sort of Legend of Zelda program at uh, at Netflix, but then the story leaked, and then from there, the, Nintendo was like, nah, fuck that, we're not going to do that anymore. So, some person leaking the story killed the potential of that show. Yes. That's, that's, that's what happened. They, the show got leaked, so Nintendo's like, ah, fuck that. Which, that's really fucking stupid. Arr, that's dumb. That's frustrating, man. That's really frustrating. That sucks. Because that would have probably been a good show. And a lot of people would have watched it and loved it. But damn you, whoever leaked it. <laughs> but that's what's happening in Netflix land with Nintendo adaptations. And sports fans everywhere probably got the best news they've heard in all a year or more. EA Sports College Football will be returning in the future. And they announced this on Twitter. Said, for those who never stop believing, college football is coming back. And no word yet on if it... It's probably not going to come this year. Um, and they did say that EA Sports College Football will include the rights to more than 100 institutions featuring logos, stadiums, uniforms, game day traditions, and more that fans have come to know and love, unquote. They also said that while this college game will not include student-athlete names, images, and likenesses, EA Sports is continuing to watch those developments closely, unquote. Because, you know, it has to do with if you're going to have them in the game, they should get compensation, but because they're considered amateurs, they don't get... It's a whole mess that we've talked about before. Uh, nothing else was given. Um, and they said, this is Cam Weber, the the head of... of EA Sports, he said, quote, We've heard from the millions of passionate fans requesting the return of college football video games. We love the energy, tradition, and pageantry of college football, and I am beyond thrilled to say we are back in development. We have a lot of really exciting work ahead of us and a great team that is eager to bring a new game to the players in the next couple of years, unquote. So, I hope you guys are happy because college football is coming back, and I wonder if it's going to be called NCAA. So yeah, NCAA football or college football or whatever they end up calling it will be coming probably within the next two years. I can tell you that right now. And then 
Uh, other big news out of the gaming industry. It's our final bit of gaming news today, actually. Gearbox Interactive has been acquired by the Embracer Group, also known as THQ Nordic, of course. This is in a $1.3 billion deal. Uh, so they, or they're called the Embracer Group now. They used to be THQ Nordic. They have so many franchises under their belt already. So now they're getting all the Gearbox franchises. So all Gearbox and all 550 of its staff in Texas and Quebec City are going to become the seventh operating group under the Embracer Group. Uh, so they, like I said, they have THQ Nordic, Saber Interactive, Coke Media, Decca Games, Amplifier Game Invest, and Coffee Stain Holding. Which this is this is turning into a huge, huge group of of, of game developers under one one roof. Um, and even after this, uh, head of head of Gearbox, Randy Pitchford, said that he would let other studios in the Embracer Group play with his IPs. Uh, 2K also confirmed, though, that they would still handle publishing and, and things related to Borderlands, even though it's still being made by Gearbox. Um, but he did say, quote, the plans are, are this is Randy Pitchford, quote, the, uh, in an interview with VentureBeat, quote, the plans are a spectrum of internally developed games with Gearbox IP, internally developed games with original IP from Gearbox, external partners that are both publishing partners where we're publishing them in the second party relationship, and then there are also other developers working on Gearbox IP as well. That can expand, especially as we start interacting without friction with other members of the Embracer group that have some interest. There are a lot of folks that would love to work on Gearbox IP, and Gearbox would love to help some of the Embracer group games that might be stronger in other markets be published more effectively in North America, unquote. So, it looks like there's a lot of things, a lot of moving parts, and a lot of good things going on. He also went on to say, quote, We have so many new IP concepts that are in our incubator that are ready to explode. We could wait for the right publishing partner who's willing to make a bet rather than only take a risk on something they know. Gearbox has already done before. Those publishers that have taken risks on us for what we want to see next have always been rewarded, but for some reason they can't be comfortable with that kind of risk. Now we get to take that risk. We don't have to burn the boats to do it. When Epic did their deal, they ended up selling Gears of War to Microsoft. They burned the boats to show they could do something you'd never expect from Epic before. And gaming got Fortnite out of that. We don't have to do that. We can maximally deliver on the IP we have and pursue new IP as a consequence of this relationship. That's incredibly exciting for me. I feel like we're just getting started. That's really nice to hear. Granted, you know, it's corporate gobbledygook especially, but he's he's getting a payday. He's selling his company to them. So he's, he's happy, but it's nice to see that they're all going to share and work together. Because a lot of people, you know, said that after the Bethesda and Microsoft deals, like, oh... Maybe some Bethesda studios can work on Microsoft IP and things like that, but we'll see how things all plan out and play out in the future moving forward, of course. But that's it for gaming. I do want to talk about some stuff in TV as well. So without further ado, I'm saying that a lot today, let's talk about what's going on in the TV world. Hey, how about that trailer for the new Mighty Ducks show? Did you guys catch that? Yeah, Mighty Ducks Game Changers coming to Disney Plus in March. That Mighty Ducks show that I thought was supposed to come out last year uh, is now coming out in March with Coach Bombay seemingly taking on a mentor-type role. And it looks okay. I'll, I'll give it a chance, of course, when it comes out. But that trailer's out now, and I guess Bombay runs a ice rink of his own. 
And he's going to help some misfits who don't fit in with the other kids. Typical. So dumb. Uh, March 26th, that premieres on Disney+. Plus. Anyway, uh, we got news that George Clooney will be executive producing, along with Legendary Entertainment, a Buck Rogers limited series. Yes, as in Buck Rogers in like the 31st century or whatever it was, the old serialized program from back in the day. Uh, no word yet on who's starring, um, but there is rumors that if it does succeed as a film or as a miniseries, uh, there's potential for an conti- anime continuation. All money is pointing on George Clooney starring in, uh, in the titular role. Um, also got word that th- we are getting a Cloverfield TV series, and unlike the other movies in the Cloverfield universe, this will actually serve as a direct sequel to the film. The original Cloverfield film, which was directed by Matt Reeves, which I totally forgot about. But this will serve as a direct sequel. It will will not be found footage, but we'll be able to find out, you know, if the nuke worked and they got Clover at the end. <laughs> Do people even care about that movie anymore? Um, also, there's word that Frasier may be coming back on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, Frasier, of course, is... Um, the famous show starring Kelsey Grammer from the the early the late nineties, early two thousands, which was a spinoff of of Cheers. Was it early two thousands? I think it. I think it ended. Um. Anyway, uh, Frasier may be coming back on Paramount Plus, uh, and word on the street is that Kelsey Grammer is attached to come back. Uh, no official announcement yet. But it, it seems more than likely from from what from what Deadline and others are reporting. It is Frasier was one of the most successful shows on television. So it will be interesting to see if they're able to bring it back with all this nostalgia. And at least a lot of shows are doing like one season returns and things like that. So, you know, hey, if Sex and the City can do it, I think Frasier can. But that begs the question, why can't they do a Cheers revival? Huh? That's more important to me. But who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, also got word that a new Wakanda show is in the works for Disney+. Plus. Uh, this will have Ryan Coogler attached and is will serve as a spinoff to Black Panther, of course. It, it, it is not expected to affect uh, uh, Black Panther 2, um, but it will be a show focused on Wakanda and the, and the people inside. Um... Speaking of which, also, Don Cheadle has let loose that he will appear in Falcon and Winter Soldier as War Machine in some capacity, so expect to see him there. And um, sticking with Disney Plus here real quick, uh, Obi-Wan is expected to be f- begin filming in the spring in Los Angeles. This is per Ewan McGregor himself. He was speaking with Eddie Izzard on his program. But Obi-Wan will be expected to start filming in the spring uh, John Favreau is not involved in the show, so some of you may cry out over that, but I think that's okay. John Favreau is handling the Mandalorian and the Boba Fett show. Let's not spread him too thin. Um, but that is it for Disney Plus and Star Wars and Marvel. Uh, we also got news uh, over on the DC side of things. Jeffrey Wright will star as Batman in a comedic podcast for HBO Max. Comedic Batman podcast on HBO Max. 
None of those things should go together. None of those things are supposed to work together. And somehow they're coming to fruition. How are you having a podcast on HBO Max? Because then you're just having an animated show. Like, I, I don't I don't understand how this is going to work. I don't understand. Um, but but uh, also in that, uh, we have had Tim Drake cast for Titans Season 3. So uh, a third Robin will now be joining the Titans program. We already have Dick. We've already had Jason Todd. And now we're getting Tim Drake. And... Uh, Final bit of HBO Max news here, so we go from DC to HBO Max since they're all in the same. It has been confirmed that Ramin Jawadi will be returning to score the Game of Thrones spinoff House of the Dragon. He's famous for scoring Game of Thrones itself, and of course, Westworld 2, and he will be returning to Westeros to do the House of the Dragon score. So we should expect some similar sounding music, so that, that'll be good. And... Uh, before we talk about the Golden Globes, I wanted to talk about WandaVision. Uh, finally up to the ante this week as we essentially live in the the modern day world here outside of the, the pocket universe that's going on in, in the WandaVision sitcom. Uh, it starts off with the wildest thing I've ever seen. It literally starts with people being brought back into existence after Tony snapped people back in, in Endgame or after Hulk or whoever did it. But it, it shows Monica literally, like, phasing back into existence in a hospital where she was five years ago when Thanos first snapped. And it shows all these people popping into the hospital. It's fucking chaos. Whoa, dude, whoa. Was not expecting that at all. Then we find out she's a S.W.O.R.D. agent. Her mother started S.W.O.R.D. Her mother did pass away, so she's freaking out about that. Um, they, they are going into space and stuff, so we don't know if they're tied into S.H.I.E.L.D. and Nick Fury at all, or how that ties in with the, the teaser at the end of Spider-Man Far From Home. But this episode, episode four, was all from the perspective of her and then Jimmy Woo, the, the fan favorite character from, from Ant-Man and the Wasp, and it looks like he finally learned that magic trick, so he did perfect it, the one that Scott was trying to teach him in in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, but we also get the reintroduction of uh, Kat Denning's character uh, from the Thor movies, as she's an expert on like interdimensional stuff. And they find out that Westview isn't real, and that something's going on with Wanda, that it's creating like this pocket universe that's airing as a sitcom. And it hints that there might be more episodes, right, that they're watching that we probably haven't seen. But they get to watch more episodes. And... There's uh we get to see other stuff that ties in from from earlier episodes. We see that the jump so in when they're watching it in in our world in our reality was what I would call it. It looks like the show is being cut and jump cut. So like they cut away from something and it's being censored, but we know that something was going on that like Wanda's reality or pocket reality was breaking. But when they view it on the outside, it, it looks like the show is being like censored or things are being removed from the show. So it's it's really interesting dynamic to see how that plays out. Then, of course, it cuts to uh, a whole lot of other things. Then we get to see more more of the the Wanda vision area. And we finally see what, what happened to Monica and how she was flung out of the universe. And, and Wanda went all psycho on her and used her magic. Uh, and then when Vision comes in, because we know Vision is starting to question things. When Vision first comes in, 
in the wildest fucking thing ever, we see how Wanda is coping, essentially, because we see the real vision. And it's the vision with the fucking Infinity Stone torn out of his fucking head. And he's all, like, gray. And he's got a fucking gash in his fucking forehead. Like, not expecting to see that. And then we cut away to Wanda and then cut back and then visions back to how she views him. So clearly something's not right. Uh, they And there's a lot of things going on. But I'm, I'm happy we finally got to see, like, the modern... Not modern, but like the real reality of, of WandaVision of the MCU and, and, and what's going on. Uh, we can finally put it in, in, in a time and place compared to to Endgame. And it literally takes place just weeks after Endgame. So Spider-Man Far From Home is four months, or not months, is, is like eight months after Endgame. Whereas, and in the following year, whereas WandaVision is, is purely just weeks after Endgame. Um, so a lot of a lot of things are are going on with that, and I'm wondering how the show is going to play out from here. So it looks like they skipped the '80s, or if anything, they're going to go to the '80s next week, and they're not going to do like a 2020 or 2010s episode. But but we'll see how things progress and and how they flip flop back and forth between the regular MCU reality and then Wanda's pocket reality and her sitcom reality, and how the other characters play out the other thing i liked is like jimmy Wu uh, is writing down like what's going on and he's acting like the audience asking questions about these different things and new rock star is one of the cool channels i like to watch they're like he's like, acting just like us and in our questions like why is it all hexagonal shaped and things like that but it'll be interesting to see how wandavision plays out and i think it will be a lot better from here on out because it was going slow, and I saw I saw somewhere it's like Wandavision isn't slow. We just forgot how to watch TV, and I'm like, I know how to watch TV. Wandavision was going really painfully fucking slow. That's for damn sure. But that's it for TV. Um, before we hop into movies, which not a whole lot, I do want to talk about the Golden Globes. So we had the Golden Globe nominees announced today, and we do finally have an idea of what might be happening for the Oscars coming up, because, you know, the Golden Globes are always a good indication. So this is the 78th Golden Globes, and I don't know when it's going to premiere or how it's going to work, but we do know... So this is what's going to happen. Um, the nominees for Best Motion Picture Drama are Nomad Land, Mank, the Father, Promising Young Woman, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. Uh, best Motion Picture Musical or Comedy are Borat's Subsequent Movie Film, Hamilton, Music, Palm Springs, and The Prom. Uh, best Performance by an Actor in a Drama are Riz Ahmed in Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins in The Father, Gary Oldman in Mank, and Tahar Rahman in The Marutanian. Uh, best Actress in a Drama are Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Andra Day for The United States vs. Billy, Frances McDormand in Nomadland, Carrie Mulligan in Promising Young Woman, and Vanessa Kirby in Pieces of a Woman. Uh, best Performance Actor in a Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy, Sasha Baron Cohen, Borat Subsequent Movie Film, James Corden, The Prom, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Hamilton. Why is Hamilton being nominated? It's not even a fucking movie. It's a filmed version of a play. 
Andy Samberg in Palm Springs and Dev Patel in the personal history of David Copperfield. I swear to God, if Hamilton wins anything, that's fucking bullshit. I, I understand that it's a, a great achievement, but like they should not be nominated in this category because it's not a film adaptation. It's a filmed version of the play, which has won Tony Awards. Uh, best actress in a comedy or musical is Maria Bakalova and Bor- Borat. Kate Hudson in music, Michelle Pfeiffer in French Exit, Rosamund Pike in I Care A Lot, and Anna Taylor-Joy in Emma. Uh, best performance by an actor in a supporting role in a motion picture, Sasha Baron Cohen, The Trial of the Chicago 7. Wow, two nominations. Daniel Kaluuya in Judas and the Black Messiah. I think that comes out this week on HBO Max. Jared Leto in The Little Things, Bill Murray on The Rocks, Leslie Odom Jr., One Night in Miami. Um, best Actress in a Supporting Role, you have Glenn Close, Hillbilly Elegy, Jodie Foster, The Mauritanian, Amanda Seyfried in Mank, Helen, Helena Zengel in News of the World, and Olivia Colman in The Father. Uh, best Director, you got Emerald Fennel, Promising Young Woman, David Fincher in Mank, Regina King, One Night in Miami, Chloe Zhao in Nomadland, Aaron Sarkin for The Trial of the Chicago 7. Uh, of course, it goes on and on. Best picture, motion picture animated, you have Soul, Onward, Wolf Walkers, Over the Moon, and The Croods. Uh, best original score, you have The Midnight Sky, Tenet, News of the World, uh, Soul, and Mank. I bet you Soul wins. Uh, there's stuff for best original song. Best. All right, so let's get into TV now, right? Best television drama, you got The Mandalorian, The Crown, Lovecraft Country, Ozark, and Ratchet. You know what I'm voting for, or pushing for. Musical or comedy is Emily in Paris, The Flight Attendant, The Great, Ted Lasso, Shit's Creek. Uh, best limited series, you have Normal People, The Queen's Gambit, The Undoing, Small Acts, Unorthodox. And for best actor, you have Jason Bateman in Ozark, Josh O'Connor, The Crown, Bob Odenkirk, Better Call Saul, Matthew Rees, Perry Mason, Al Pacino, and Hunters. Uh, for drama... Actress, you have Olivia Coleman, The Crown, Jodie Comer, Killing Eve, Emma Corrin, The Crown, Laura Linney, Ozark, Sarah Paulson, Ratched, Ratched, I don't know. Best Actor, you have Jason Sudeikis for Ted Lasso, Eugene Levy, Schitt's Creek, Nicholas Holt, The Great, Rami Yosef in Rami, Don Cheadle in Black Monday, um, Lily Collins for Emily in Paris, Kaylee Cuoco, The Flight Attendant, Ellie L. Fanning, The Great, Catherine O'Hara, Schitt's Creek, Jane Levy, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, and a whole lot of other stuff that you guys can go see. But those are the Golden Globes. That's going to be a big hint for possibly the Oscars and the Emmys this year. So always keep an eye out on that. Uh, Moving on to movies. We may have an idea of what The Matrix 4 might end up being called. And if we are to believe pictures of the crew's production jackets... It looks like it's going to be called The Matrix Resurrections. And I guess we're sticking with the R names. <laughs> That's expected. That's for damn sure. But the R names are, are sticking around for a while. So The Matrix Resurrections. No no real creativity there. Um pictures of the filming of Thor 4 which got underway this week have leaked and we have our first look at what outfits 
uh, Thor and um, Star-Lord will be wearing. Yes, yeah, so it's actually a picture of Thor and Star-Lord together. And it looks like Star-Lord is going to have a new, like, long coat. And Thor has a completely new outfit that's very 90s inspired. And it's a sleeveless leather vest. And we, I cannot wait to see how that turns out. That's for dang sure. That is definitely going to be an interesting look for Thor. And I, for one, can't wait to see how this movie ends up. I loved Ragnarok. And with Taika sticking around for Th- Love and Thunder, I'm excited to see how this goes. No other pictures of any other characters yet, so we don't know what Jane Foster is going to look like or anyone else. But that is what's happening over in Marvel Land. Uh, got some good news out of the DC Extended Universe world. Uh, Dolph Lundgren was being interviewed and said that he hoped they, I guess, are going to start filming. They're going to start filming Aquaman 2 this summer in London uh, and hoping to have a release sometime in 2022. I think that was DC's plan all along for Aquaman 2 to release in 2022. I did not know they were going to start filming this year, though. Um, And uh, I think James Wan is coming back. I can't remember off the top of my head. But uh, according to Dolph Lundgren, they're going to start filming Aquaman 2 this year. Uh, Also, more news on the Snyder Cut. Zack Snyder has confirmed it will release as a four-hour movie on... March 18th, so next month on HBO Max, and today the MPAA, Motion Picture Association of America, gave us its rating, and it will be rated R for violence and language. Remember, Batman says the F word in the Snyder Cut. I can't fucking wait for that. I am so fucking pumped and hyped. I cannot wait for the Snyder Cut. Like, I really fucking can't wait. Uh, And that's coming in just a few short weeks. Uh, And then finally, we got our official plot synopsis for The Suicide Squad. Uh, Nothing out of the ordinary, except it does confirm that the film will take place in Corto Maltese, which is a uh, fictional island off the coast of South America in DC Comics, home to a lot of different storylines, the most famous of which, of course, being the conflict of uh, the U.S. and USSR fighting a proxy war on Corto Maltese, in the Dark Knight Returns comic storyline. So that is the island heavily referenced in, in that, that comic book storyline. Um, so we are going to Corto Maltese in the Suicide Squad, Suicide Squad film. Um, we also got a new trailer for the Coming to America sequel, which drops on Amazon Prime, I think, next month or in March. And a little bit more of the story beats and things going on. So clearly he's going to find his, his son that he didn't know about, which... I'm leaning more and more and more on the fact that it's probably not his son, but it is, uh, what is Arsenio Hall's character's son? Because I don't remember Hakeem, you know, going and sleeping around with a bunch of women in, in the, the original film, uh, but who knows what happens. Uh, we also got our first look at some of the other returning characters from the first film, uh, John Amos. And uh, the one who plays his wife, Lisa, and some of the other characters. So it's it's nice to see a lot more returning people. And of course, other shenanigans of Eddie Murphy and, and Arsenio in, in different crazy outfits as different characters. But we'll just see if... Um, what's his name? The guy with the soul glow. I hope he comes back. That's a character that, that we should bring back. But 
it I I, I want to see what Wesley Snipes does with his like warlord type character who's trying to take over the country. It seems like that's what they're hinting at. So we'll see. We'll see how it how it all plays out in a couple short weeks, and I can't wait to watch this movie. Too bad it's just unfortunate that it, it won't be in the theaters. But our final bit of of movie news tonight is, I, I guess before Disney had sold Fox, Ryan Reynolds, of course, was working on on Deadpool three, and if he had gotten his way, Deadpool three would have featured Wolverine. It would have been like a a road trip story quote from from Ryan Reynolds between him and, uh, of course, uh, Wolverine played by uh, Hugh Jackman, which would have been a perfect fucking movie. Obviously, that's not going to happen because the Marvel or the X-Men are being rebooted and, you know, Deadpool 3 is going to be made in the MCU now. But they, they were doing something... He was being interviewed, and he said it was going to be a... He said, in his tweet, it says, Before Disney bought Fox, Deadpool 3 was going to be a road trip between Deadpool and Logan, Rashomon style, for real. Which, that would have been fun to watch. Wow, and with that tidbit, the show is over today, folks. Not much to go on, since that movie's not really getting made, but... Thank you guys for listening. It has been episode 143 of Nick's Nerd News. Uh, As always, please check out nicksnerdnews.com where you can listen to the show right in your browser. Or if you prefer to take us on the go, you can find links to our Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts pages where you can subscribe, listen, like, all that good stuff. It'll always be downloaded to your phone if you want or wherever you listen. Also, while you're there, check out our social media tab where you can see our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram feeds, always posting funny memes, just so you guys can see. Uh, Every post is just about the same, highlighting every episode, but at least uh, a funny meme that that goes with the week is there for for your enjoyment as well. But with that being said, thank you guys again. I've been your host, Nick. This has been Nick's Nerd News. I will catch you guys on the flip side.